Hello, my loves, and welcome back to the Brave School Podcast. I'm so excited about today's episode. It has been a while since we've had another voice in the podcast. And who you're about to listen to uh, in conversation with me is my beloved partner, uh, both in love and in work and relationship, Michael Rosenberg. If you are, you know, an older friend of the Brave School ecosystem and the Building Brave community, you probably know Michael as he co-facilitated parts of our winter and spring uh, Building Brave sessions. And he's just been so present throughout that time. And you've probably heard him on older podcast episodes if you've been listening to a while. Michael took some time to really focus in on his own work, and we also took some time to move in together and to build a home together, so he hasn't been around, but I'm so excited because in this season, he, as he's winding down some other work, he is stepping in to help with some ecosystem design for Brave School and gearing us up for the next stage of development, and I'm just really excited to also just welcome him to Slow Branding, our three immersion he will be co-facilitating he will be leading sessions on market research and really developing beautiful relationships with the right people that is his specialty he's been known across the globe as a ceo whisperer uh, with many of the world's like most renowned founders like christina sass and uh, the founder of founders of Indela, where he used to uh, lead teams in build, doing beautiful work around the world. He's just got a lot going on. If you want to know more, read his bio below. Uh, I'm really excited to have him in Slow Branding. Slow Branding is our new three-day immersion. This is the first time we've ever launched a three-day immersion that was based on the Building Brave Foundations, and I could not be more thrilled. This immersion is all about building a vision, dripping with humanity, presence, and conviction. It is a three-day brand strategy immersion and an invitation to connect with the real-life stories your community of customers are living. We're asking questions like, what would it look like to build brands that connect with our customers at the level of their humanity? What would it look like to dig deeper than the performance of our perfectionism on the internet and the veneer of our packaging? to develop authentic customer and company relationships that last longer than the point of sale? What would it look like to center the human story and collective love in the marketplace? Can we reimagine the way that we do this? I know many of you guys are asking the same questions and you know deep down inside that despite popular belief and what we might see online and on the internet, our brands are much deeper than our logos. It's not just the color palettes we use on our feeds. It's not just our photography or aesthetics, but the brand is a story our customers believe about our business. Slow branding is an invitation to see how the story of your business intersects with the real life stories your customers are living and providing profound solutions, speaking directly into their tension speaking wildly specific truths. Our brands are the stories that meet them right there in the middle of where they're living. So I'm so excited to build with you. I'm so excited to explore uh, how branding uh, can be so human. So branding is uh, all about resonating humanly And it's all about the willingness to try again and to show ourselves grace and to nurture the creative process. In Slow Branding, you will learn how to craft a value proposition that speaks the language of your community's desires and needs. You will learn how to conduct human-centered market research that enables your business to provide relevant solutions to the right people. And it will also help you to deepen the relationship between your business and your community through building an intentional culture, uh, engaging in iterative design, and seeing things from a somatic lens. We're so excited to be with you. We kick this off on November 16th through the 18th. Enrollment is now open. I'm so excited to see you in there.
Life School podcast. We explore the intersection between entrepreneurship, mysticism, and creative courage through human-centered curiosity and storytelling. This podcast is narrative medicine for the wild-hearted artist and entrepreneur who longs to show all the way up to their creative process. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the Brave School podcast. I'm super excited to have Michael Rosenberg Hello. back on the podcast, everybody. I'm back. <laughs> it's been a while. Hello. So many of you all who have been listening to the podcast since the very beginning, our OGs, our OG listeners, know Michael Rosenberg. Uh, you have met him before. You might have heard his voice on the Witch Wound podcast, which continues to be the most listened to podcast in the entire queue. You might have also heard him if you are in Brave School or have been in the Brave School ecosystem at all. You might have seen his face. You might have been a part of some of his trainings. You might have witnessed him share some courses and lay down some laws on market research and market research design. So I'm really excited for Michael Rosenberg to be back. Also, many of you know, I'm just not going to pretend, you know, Michael's my partner. Um, Hello. So Michael, what ha what's happened between then and now? And all, like, why did you go radio silent? And what about all the updates that have happened since then? What's what's going on in your world? Mm, just ages have passed since then. I think I was living in a different town when we recorded that. Was mm -hmm. that all the way back when I was in Asheville? Yeah. Yes. yes. Dajay and I have um, taken the leap to live together since then. So mm -hmm. we were in this beautiful freezing cold house right now. As we are, <laughs> Happy fall. Uh, yeah. Enjoying the fall. And, Happy Scorpio and, season. Uh, reducing our energy costs and emissions by uh, <laughs> letting our toes get a little frosty before we uh, switch on the heater. And also during this podcast recording, we don't want you to hear our little space heaters in the background. So mm -hmm. we, our toes are suffering for you mm -hmm. as we speak. <laughs> Why did I go radio silent? I don't know. Dajay and I are both multi-founder, multi-entrepreneur, uh, can't put a reasonable amount of work on our plate people so <laughs> it's accurate been through all kinds of stuff we've teamed up on something for one of my uh initiatives limitless harmony Daje designed this beautiful website mock-ups mm -hmm. that just really resonate with the stories we've been trying to tell there and i just hired somebody today to turn that into a website so that'll be on soon that and other projects have just taken me out of the podcastosphere mm -hmm. for Brave School. Uh, mm -hmm. I also got back from this glorious, epic trip to to West Africa recently. So I feel that now we're in fall mode. We're in autumn times. We're coming together for warmth and for creativity. Mm. And my voice is back in your ears. Mm -hmm. I think that is so cool. And also, we've just been getting used to living together as well. So that has been... Like, do we really want to work together and live together right now? Let's just like give ourselves a little bit of a refractory period to get used to being all up in each other's sauce <laughs> for a few months. And that's been really nice. Um, and I love that, you know, I love that we get to do this. I love that, you know, the devotion that we're cultivating toward really just like supporting creatives in the world and we do that through supporting each other in a lot of ways. And I feel like that kind of lends itself to its podcast, to this podcast, especially some things that we have learned over the years and through this time. Many of you know, if you listen to the pot, the last podcast episode that we just released, Slow Branding is now open for enrollment. It is our three-day brand strategy immersive. And Michael... Actually, if you are, are in Brave School, in the Building Brave course, uh, you probably have heard Michael talk about some of the things that he'll be talking about in this live immersive. This is the first time we've ever held a live immersive on our foundations, and we're really excited. I'm a little bit nervous, <laughs> to be honest. 
but I'm I'm also just like really really freaking thrilled and celebratory that we get to hold space and share space with y'all um, in the area of dreaming and doing and mm. helping you put your shit out in the world and <laughs> change the world by doing it. So today we have five must-haves for attracting resonant clients. This is what we want to talk about today. And I think it's also kind of one of the biggest things that people get really curious about when they look at any investing in anything business. It's like, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be, you know, a course about that writing Instagram captions and people will still be like, well, how do I get clients? (laughs) How do I uh, make money? (laughs) You know what I'm saying, Michael? Yeah. Well, there's also this word resonant too. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, we're not, we don't want to be snake oil salesmen Mm -hmm. who just peddle things to people who don't need it. And we also don't want, I think people who, come to the voices that are shared in brave school don't want clients that make them feel like a commodity in their work or even you know you're doing your best to do good work and it's just a painful unfortunate grind because you're not gelling and jiving Mm -hmm. with the client or sometimes you're in over your head Mm -hmm. and you don't feel like you're successful in the work so the opposite of all that is what resonant means to me like Mm -hmm. the it feels good to work with them not necessarily with just ceaseless joy and you know frictionless work but when things get hard it feels worthwhile Mm. yeah i i love that distinction and i i think it really paints the picture of what realistic resonance looks like it doesn't look like it often doesn't look like you know unicorn alley where everything goes right all the time but maybe there are there's there are just more options for problem solving through circumstances and situations and walking with people. I mean, when we have clients, when we have customers, I just think about some of my favorite local spots here in town in Knoxville. Uh, the relationships that I have with those places are so special. Like I just think about how with almost every coffee shop I go to, I have this relationship with the owner that is like, they know my name, you know, Mm. and there's just like this resonant connection uh, with the baristas and the staff. They, they know my face, they know my name. And it's not just this, you know, one way street of service, but rather it's a relationship that I've spent seven, eight, nine years building and continue to build and trust over a $3 coffee uh, every other day or so, or how many times, however many times I go to the coffee shop in a week, depending on how much caffeine I need. But like the same with the tamale joint and the same with like, you know, the local bar where I like go, some days I might go get a $2 PBR and like none of the (laughs) bartenders ever judge me. And then sometimes I might get a fancy beer, but they all know my name, right? Or the pizza place, they know my name. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is what it means to be a resonant customer. So how do we create resonant customers? How do we create resonant clients that we know and who know us at this stage of business? So we have a couple of different points that we want to get through. We have five actually. And Michael, would you like to uh, kind of open us up with number one? Yeah. So this question of like ending up with resonant clients and the alternatives to it are missing your chance with people who could have been a good client or ending up in client relationships with somebody who um, isn't a good fit for what you're trying to offer, or Mm. they could be a good fit, but you got off to the wrong start or you created the wrong container for it. Mm. So our number one in these must haves for attracting resonant clients is a focused intention. And this was originally written as a uh, value proposition. Mm-hmm. And we had a little bit of a debate about um, should it be a value proposition? I've definitely started some new initiatives where I didn't know what the value proposition was. I couldn't come up with the sentence that described exactly what I wanted to offer and what value would be created from it. 
But I, the relationships that ended up working out where I actually established a, a client relationship with them and then through working with them came up with my value proposition later was because I came in with a focused intention. It wasn't just let's work together. Let's figure it out. I think I can mm -hmm. help. I'd love the idea of co-founding something. Mm -hmm. I, I really, I don't care what it is. I just want to be in your circle. I love your work. Mm. Those things have tended to result in client relationships that are ambiguous, where there's mismatched expectations, mm. where, uh, where maybe the work kind of feels like it drags on and you're not sure if it's coming to some sort of completion or some sort of impact point to the work. So the alternative to that is to come up with a focused intention. Yeah, I love that. And you know how much I love value proposition. And I think that almost everybody who hears me talk about value proposition, they're like, all right, we're done listening to you talk about value proposition. <laughs> we got it. Um, but but I think that you're right. Having a focused intention is is much more clear. It's a much more clear way to just get to the point of we need to be focused when we move into the market. There is so much stuff moving around. There's so many things that we can be to each other. There's so many things that we can bring to each other. I, I wager that every single person who listens to this, to this podcast is like super multi-passionate. You have several different angles that you could go. You have so many different kinds of people that you can reach and meet and be with. And it can become overwhelming when you sit down at your computer, you know, at eight o'clock in the morning with your coffee and you're like, well, where do I even start? Mm -hmm. How do I even begin? And I have to say that like starting with this focused intention who is it that you're here to serve? And even if you can't identify them, how do you want to serve? What is it that you want to serve? Why do you want to serve? Right? Where do you want to serve if it's location specific for you? Is it in the digital realm? Or are you here to build something brick and mortar? Those questions long to be answered by you. And sometimes we don't get to answer those questions in the fullness that they really are asking for until we get into the client work and we find out, okay, so maybe this isn't it and this isn't it. And we'll talk about that a little later. But even just starting with an intention of like, I, for me, it was, I know that I just want to create space for creatives to breathe in their process. And so the what followed, my body knew this is what I want to be doing. Yeah. That's what I'm drawn to. This is my focused intention. And I had so many options over my career. Do I want to do it in social media marketing or do I want to do it as a songwriter? Do I want to do this as a, you know, a marketing director doing 360 marketing and PR and all of this stuff? Or do I want to do this as like a super focused and intentional brand strategist? Do I want to do it as a, a witch or do I want to do it as an artist? Like how do I want to create space for creatives to breathe in their process? And that was, and but having that focal point, having that focused intention mm -hmm. was what led me to find resonance in what I did with it. Yeah. I think the reason I wanted to offer something a little bit more foundational than a value prop is because a, a value prop is great. And the most powerful value propositions I've found have been as a, like produced by the work. And I couldn't have gotten to them unless I got started with the work. And I couldn't have gotten off on the right foot with the work if I, if I didn't start with the intention. So I think one thing I've started doing, and I actually learned this from a book by a Navy SEAL, um, where he was, he was trying, he was talking about how to get his teammates to, take more ownership in their work. Mm. And he asked them to stop saying, I would like to, and start mm. saying, I intend to, mm. um, when he, when they come to him. And then his response was to, uh, his, his responsibility was to respond to their intentions, not to, um, give them permission to act on their desires. So one thing that you could do if you, if you want to find your intention, if you don't yet have a clear value prop or a clear sense of why you want to work with people and how, is you can open up an email to a person that even if you don't plan on sending that email and say, Hey, I intend to work with you in order to blank. I intend to work with you by and just mm -hmm. see what you're, you feel 
those Mad Libs up with. One thing that I've started doing recently is trying to start the proposal as soon as possible in the talks with a new client. Because mm. in the proposal, that's where you write your intentions. And I've actually started framing my proposals less as like legalese mm -hmm. and more as a description of intention. So mm -hmm. it literally says the aim of this work is to X. I intend to do this work by Y. Yes, I love that. That's so funny. I actually started doing my proposals like that a long time ago. And that was the only way I'd ever done it. So like I, yeah, I love that. I, I love that that is like your practice now too. Yeah. Just like going into the, this is what I'm, this is what I intend to do. Um, it's just this, I don't know. It's just so much more profound and helpful for us in the process. So number two, let's, let's move on to the next one. So Five must-haves for attracting resonant clients. Number two, the ability to share with conviction. This is a really big one, uh, and this is probably the one that I've structured my whole career around mm. in so many ways. Just, just seeing what becomes possible when creatives learn to own their voices and wage beauty with their medicine when they can see how powerful it is to 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 stand in their story to be mm. in their work and and really believe in it to be in the ring as Brene Brown says and really put their heart and soul and body into it there's something that happens when you share with conviction and physiologically, like the resonance in your voice actually changes when you share with conviction. Michael recently has been reflecting over the last few months, uh, the, like the shift in his voice when he drops into these moments with the clients that he's about to work with, or when he's doing culture camps. And there's this like, vibration that his like voice takes on this is a quality that his voice takes on when he's like really in the cut and and that's what i'm talking about it's that part of you that people can feel like they have an unshaking knowing that you're 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 freaking about it like you believe in what you're doing you believe in what's coming out of your mouth and you even it doesn't matter whether you're saying you know 10 buck two is on the moon you say it with conviction that that stuff that's the stuff that's going to move people now unfortunately we have people in the world who are saying lots of things with conviction that are causing yeah. the world to turn in ways that we probably don't want but that's why we need more creatives like you speaking with conviction about what it is that you're here to do speaking with belief in yourself about what you're here to do um that is just going to change the world. Michael, do you have anything to say about that? Any things to share? Well, I, I, there's, there's a striking difference between um, conviction and the performance of conviction. Mm. And I think conviction is often, especially in the hiring process and in interviews, confused for excitement and these outward dis displays of passion. And I've... Um, I've, I've, I've hired a few people who didn't belong on the team because I overvalued the excitement that they were talking with. And I didn't know how to look for the conviction that they could mm -hmm. have demonstrated or, or maybe demonstrated that they didn't have in some aspects of the work. So I think conviction is slow. Excitement is fast. Mm -hmm. And uh, I... I so and there's also like you know we have a Hollywood version of conviction in our minds, which is a striking performance, mm -hmm. and that so I work with somebody who's um, really talented sales leader, and I started joining him for some sales calls for our startup, and he didn't seem excited. And after a couple calls, I was like, "What's going on? Like, aren't you excited about what we're doing?" And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm deeply excited about it. I have deep conviction that companies out there who need our service, there's people who need our mission to succeed in the world. And I started to realize that his conviction was expressing itself through a slow process of curiosity mm -hmm. to learn as much as he could in those moments, to see if it's actually a good fit, to allow the other person to come up uh, on their own of whether it'll be a resonant fit. Mm. as opposed to what could the conversation be, which is the, the level of excitement in the room 
makes us want to sign the dotted mm. line and get started. And it was actually excitement, not conviction that we were operating off of. Mm. So what I look for is I, I actually, especially during interviews, uh, since I just mentioned that as the example is I'll try and redirect that energy. I'll ask us to slow down. Uh, I was, I just interviewed somebody before this call actually, who's going to help us build a website. And he was really excited to show me the websites he'd built. And I'm like, okay, sh why don't you show me the actual design files and tell me a story about how these design files became this website. And then the excitement actually dialed down a little bit. It was a little bit like, oh, whoa, okay, let's, let, uh, I, I guess we're, we're going, we're going there. <laughs> you and, just. <laughs> and, then, and then we went there and I could see his conviction really fully display itself. I could mm -hmm. see how excited he was to turn this static element into a dynamic animation. And I could see how excited he was to like make meaningful improvements off of the design file the founder had sent him. And it wasn't the excitement about the websites he had built. It was the demonstration of conviction in the stories he was able to tell. Mm. about that excitement i yeah i love that i love that you may i love that distinction conviction is slow excitement is fast it kind of reminds me of the conversation because i think that like this is at the intersection that i often get penned to which is like wellness spirituality and entrepreneurship uh and i guess i i guess i am in that intersection in so many ways but one of the biggest conversations we have or that people are having is about energy. And to me, like that term can feel very ambiguous and elusive because it can quickly turn into a conversation about um are like how like how are you performing? How are how are you, you know? is your energy right? Well, what does that mean? Um, and does my energy right, energy, excuse me, does my energy need to be right in order, quote unquote, right in order for me to actually do powerful work? Questions I'm asking, you know, does my energy need to be right according to someone else's standards in order for me to feel devotion toward this, you know, in that energy, right feeling or like indication can sometimes mean, are you happy or are you mm. rested or are you, you know, are you moving people in a specific way? And I like, I, I think it just, it doesn't get down to the heart of it. It doesn't get down to the heart of what conviction actually is because you can feel tired, you can be a little weary, you can be like exhausted, you can feel a lot of pain and still come through with the ability to share conviction. You don't need to be like 100% healed and unhurt and like whole trademark to bring forth power and beauty powerful, beautiful work with conviction. You don't need it to be a guru to share magic with the world with conviction. And I feel like that's the distinction that I want to make is like conviction is not, this is going to sound really controversial, but con conviction is not about your energy. It's about mm. your willingness to be present, which is why I love that. It's slow. Excitement is fast. Excitement is the quick flame. Conviction is a slow burning fire that keeps the house warm. So should we move on to number three? Yeah. Yeah. This is another one where we started with an industry term and then uh, backed it out to something a little bit more foundational to that industry term. So we started with a call to action. And I just pointed out that I probably just because I was interviewing a web developer, I think of that as like a big, bright, but colored button on a website that says book a call or buy a thing or pay now or something like that. That's great. It's good to have those. Um, but we backed it out to a clear invitation. Uh, I think there's just a general desire in here to serve both the people who are at that stage where they're mm -hmm. ready to have a clear value prop and they're ready to put that call to action on Instagram or their website or at the end of a sales call or whatever, but also for people who are in the uh, more nebulous early stages where you're figuring out what this thing wants to become. <laughs> so 
if you have a call to action, that's great. If you don't yet have a crystal clear call to action, a clear invitation is what we are saying is a must have here for attracting resonant clients. And here's the difference between a, uh, an ambiguous opportunity and a clear invitation. You called up somebody who's in your network where you've liked each other's posts for a while. You chat about this work you can do together. You're feeling this sense of resonance. Oh yeah, I would love for you to join my team and do, you know, X, Y, Z. It sounds similar to what you did with these other companies. And it's really interesting how it ties into all these random pieces of your story from your past. I feel like there's something here. So where should we go from here? Mm. At that point, do you have something simple where they can imagine it showing up on their calendar and they can imagine themselves doing it with you. That's mm -hmm. a clear invitation. The term from the science of learning is called simulating and predicting. It's the ability of the mind to put itself in its own shoes in the future mm. around a specific outcome. And if you can end a call where someone's like, oh yeah, sounds good. You'll send me an email. We'll hop on this call. These people will be there. And then we'll uh, have this sort of relationship moving forward from there. Mm. That's a clear invitation. And I, that makes a huge difference from ending a call with a vague sense of we'll keep the conversation going. I love that. Absolutely. And I think what you're talking about here too is like, this is a very simplified way of saying, what are your systems around inviting people in? Um, what are your systems around creating that connection point? Like it can be very, a clear invitation can be anything from at the end of the call, you know that you're going to extend that invite to go into deeper work. It can also be a Calendly link that says, this is how you work with me. Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be and this is where a lot of creatives get like really like all caught up and wound up of like I've got to have the branding I've got to have all of you know all of the the Instagram graphics they've got to be like really attractive and aesthetic and they've got to be like really really profound and sometimes it's just like well, the conviction is just going to lead people to the invitation. So what, what is the invitation, mm -hmm. you know, and, and getting clear about how people can say yes to your magic, how are, make it easy for people to pay you to be good at what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, that is, that is a clear invitation. Um, so yeah, I love everything that you just said, Michael. I don't have a whole lot to add to it. It's just, yeah, it can be as complex or as simple as you want it to be, but like, you know, what is, what is the next step for people to work mm -hmm. with you and begin to answer that question? I so. got to, I got to plug proposals again for this too. Proposal mm -hmm. is a great way to frame a clear invitation. Mm -hmm. Half of the value in clear invitation is it gives some, a way to, move forward in the relationship. Mm -hmm. The other half is that it gives people something to respond to. Because if you end a call with a vague sense of excitement that doesn't go anywhere, mm -hmm. you don't learn anything compared to if you end a call with a clear invitation that is rejected for a specific reason. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. It can be anything from like a landing page that has one paragraph and a button on it. D did that, done, made mm -hmm. thousands of dollars off of that true story. Hello, Brave Sessions. Uh, and it could also just be like uh, an email, a follow-up of, hey, I loved our conversation today. I feel resonant with the idea of working with you. Would you like to schedule a follow-up to, to talk about what it could look like to deepen our relationship over yeah. an agreement. Yeah. Or even I've, I've drafted a quick proposal based on one of our prior relationships, you know, not saying this is perfect, but maybe this is a good place for us to continue the discussion. Mm -hmm. Take a look and tell me if you think this is directionally correct. Mm. I just, I just feel like I've gotten so much value from getting proposals out there faster yes. <laughs> this season. So yeah. Share that love. I love that. Yes. Okay, so number four, the willingness to test and experiment. Yes. The willingness to test and experiment. This is kind of our favorite one as people who are pretty deeply immersed in iterative design. <laughs> Michael being in the startup world, me being a hard-headed, wild-hearted entrepreneur Iterative design has been our best friend. The willingness to test, that's all it is, is the willingness to try again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
that's all it is, folks. Like you could close the podcast right now and just look back at all the things you've given up on and say, where did I allow myself to try again? And mm. you would fulfill this stuff. Yeah. Well, there's also, you know, what's the difference between just trying stuff and actually experimenting? Mm -hmm. I've One difference can be that you create really sophisticated experiments. Like I've learned, I've met entrepreneurs who used to be scientists and they like to track their hypotheses and, you know, use a bunch of spreadsheets and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's not necessary, I think, to call it like a experiment at the start of, at the speed of entrepreneurship. To me, it's really like, are you, do you take a moment to reflect on what happened and what the result was and integrate that into what you do next? Mm -hmm. So you gave somebody the invitation. They said yes to it. They skipped the next call. They asked for a lower rate. You asked them why. They told you this. Okay, great. Let's take a pause. Let's review what we learned and let's decide how we want to offer the next invitation mm -hmm. based on what we learned from that. Yeah, I honestly believe that resonance is birthed from the soil of resilience. And yes, I did just pull that out of my ass, mm. but it's just true. <laughs> it's true. You you don't get to resonance without first building, it, like physiologically building the vibration in your body. Like the actual sound vibration has to build inside of the voice box and come out through the mask. And those vibrations have to become dense in order to actually penetrate the physical form of another being and create resonance inside of them. So you need resilience. You need the ability to mm. hold space for those vibrations to form and become dense sustainable, sustenance sounds uh, that are mm -hmm. heard outside of your body. And such as it is in entrepreneurship with your offerings, if you only give it one chance around, you, you haven't given it enough time to show you how, how powerful it can be for someone on the other side, how powerful it can be for the people you're here to serve. If you only if you only have one iteration out there. And maybe it's that you found that after one iteration, you don't like doing it. You don't want to mm. do it anymore. And that's fine. But there's a difference between that and trying something once and saying, well, this doesn't work mm -hmm. and creating this like definitive statement of like, well, you know, for example, weightless launching doesn't work at all after trying once and not seeing the results that you were looking for or mm. like using Insta, for, this is a great one. Instagram, posting on Instagram doesn't work. That's like a really big statement uh, that has been proven wrong by so many other entrepreneurs. So instead of like putting, like casting the whole thing into the fire, what if you just slowed down? Again, slow, slowing it down, pausing, asking questions about what you did and integrating the data that you receive from yourself into the next iteration of mm. design. Also works the other way around of assumptions about why things did work, especially with the last two years. I think there's a lot of people who had a really good quarter doing online services mm -hmm. and they were prepared to build on top of it. And then there was a dip because there wasn't the same rush to find connection online as mm -hmm. there was at the beginning of the pandemic. So mm -hmm. you, it succeeds once and we want to grab onto that success mm -hmm. and make so much meaning from that success that we lose track of the fact that even the successes are part of the experimentation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have to hold those lately, just like we hold failure lately. And that I've, I've been noticing lately, there's a lot of stuff in entrepreneurship that gets harder until it's suddenly easier and mm -hmm. you didn't notice when it got easier. And I think experimenting has to do with that. It has to do with, um, let it holding letting things putting your heart whole heart into something and then letting it go when you realize it's not it's not working anymore mm -hmm. or it's not uh giving you what it gave you in the past is something that i think is brutal for a lot of people at first mm -hmm. and my my friend alex who came from the corporate world and is now one of my co-founders she talked about how it used to be incredibly painful for her to let go of something we'd been spending weeks or months building. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's a website, sometimes it's a program, sometimes it's a team mm -hmm. that we've been meeting with for months. 
And then all of a sudden you realize one day that, oh, actually we can stop doing that. We can take that website down. Mm -hmm. we, can, we can remove that listing from our offering. We can tell people, no, sorry, we're not doing that anymore. Mm -hmm. And she got to the point where instead of being brutal, suddenly it was natural. She's mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, I didn't really realize that we completely dropped that thing last week and it was the right choice. Mm -hmm. So I think with experimentation, there's grief in the process mm -hmm. for a while. There's like, I can't, I put so much into this. I can't drop it now. Or I really want to do this to work. I can't embrace that it's not mm -hmm. um, and eventually if we stick to it my experience is that it feels natural mm -hmm. I love that that's and that's what I would call intuitive entrepreneurship like we think of intuitive business as some like witchcrafty thing where you're sitting in the corner crafting spells on old pieces of parchment paper and lighting a candle over it and we might do that sometimes. I don't know. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> but but the intuitive aspect of it is that you it becomes natural. Like you are so attuned to the natural cycles of things. You are so attuned to what needs to die and what needs to be born that you allow it to happen and you move into the next iteration you move into the next phase saying, okay, let me integrate this material. Let me integrate this data. And that that's that's such a powerful thing. I, I just think it's such a everybody, everybody needs that skill. Yeah, like everybody needs that skill. And yeah, I could say so much more about it, but I'm just gonna let it hang and maybe <laughs> we'll do another podcast episode on it sometime later. But number five. So we had our first four, intention, conviction, invitation, and experimentation, and we wanted to end on devotion. I think devotion, there's a big devotion and there's little devotion. Uh, like there's the devotion that lasts lifetimes and there's the devotion that shows up in this moment. So uh, I think there's a connection for big devotion with the word patience that you know, it's critical to experimentation. You could experiment with something that you really thought was going to work. You needed it to work mm. and it didn't work. And are you going to, is that when you give up? Is that when you go find the job you were hoping you wouldn't have to go find? Mm. Or are you able to find devotion? Are you able to get that job that you were hoping you wouldn't have to get as a strategic move mm. so that you can stay devoted to yes. the work that you want to devote to in the, in the long term? So there's, there's big long-term devotion. There's, you know, that's when you hear all those entrepreneur stories of how getting a hundred no's there, mm -hmm. they remain devoted. Um, and then little devotion, I think it shows up in these moments where we make a choice between what sort of opportunities we pursue and how we interact with people in real time. And I want to get it back to that idea of you're having a sales call or a discovery call with a client. Mm -hmm. And we talked about, are you committed in that moment to try and landing the contract? Mm -hmm. Or are you committed in that moment to trying to find the right fit? Mm-hmm. Are you going to let this client go because there's just it, it, you're just not certain that the timing is right mm -hmm. and that the fit is right and that you can that you want to offer them what they're asking for, mm -hmm. or are you going to push for it and land it because you're worried about where your money's going to come from? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just reflecting on that because so many hard lessons from just even the last year of like, oh my gosh, we need revenue in the business. I'm going to say yes to this client and end up being way more costly than it was profitable because it wasn't a resonant fit. Mm. It, and the decision did not come from my devotion. It did not come from my intention. It came from desperation. Mm. And I would even say that desperation is, I don't know if it's the opposite of devotion, but it's definitely mm. an obstruction to devotion. And something that you said earlier, Michael, before we hit record was that when you are worried about where your income is coming from, it can be very difficult to move with devotion. Yeah. I sometimes feel that I almost benefit from being in a meditative state during new client conversations mm -hmm. where I can experience them as almost like a wave that I'm riding and yeah. not like an objective oriented conversation where I'm successful if I get a yes. Mm -hmm. Um, cause it's really tough when you're in that call and you're like, oh my God, if I just said the right things right now, maybe they would pay me for it. Mm. But I'm, 
I'm honestly not sure. And I think that gets one thing that gets really difficult is when we're really hungry mm-hmm. and we're really not sure where our money's coming from. Sometimes we start to self deceive, yeah. and we we can't tell when we're devoted to what we're saying or when we're saying what we're saying mm-hmm. to land. So to me, devotion is not like it's. I think desperation. Clients were not. We we kind of maybe convinced or appeased in order to get the client Mm. just like if we could establish a practice of including that in our devotion like if i i don't want to give the impression that we live in a world where it's always a bad call to take a client for the money Mm. it's always a bad call to take a client that isn't a perfect fit it's all the resonance and all the intention like we're Mm. not living in that world Mm -hmm. we're living in a world where we are uh we're in the arena where mm. we're, we're fighting through chaos in mm. our work. And I think what I would like to invite myself to do since I've been there before um, is just to look in the mirror and have a self-understanding of how this moment fits into a devoted uh, lifetime of work. Like, okay, I get it. I'm not convinced this client is perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced this client's going to be easy to work with. Mm-hmm. I'm not even convinced that at the end it'll be a good outcome, mm-hmm. but I'm willing to try and it seems like I can land the deal. So I'm going to call up a friend and ask them if they'll be my accountability buddy that I can call <laughs> when things get frustrating. I'm going to remind myself that this is a step along the way and mm-hmm. I'm still returning to my devotion through and after this work. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. I love that this is also just a really powerful place where collective and team and community takes place. Like even if even if it's not a client, if, if it's I have to get a job at a corporation, that is you leaning back into the collective resources resources and saying, okay, well, I have to like I have to dip into these collective resources right now in order to support myself so that I can find the most resonant yeses or the yeses that will lead to the most resonant yeses so I can continue to devote myself to testing and experimenting so I can focus in on my intention. And there's nothing wrong with that. That like seeing these moments, these moves to connect, um, or to gather resources, to gather the right resources, the frame of mind, the breath, the circumstances, the money, the cash flow, the revenue, whatever it is. These are these are connection points that link us into the greater story that we're living as entrepreneurs. Um, so they're not failures. Um, they're acts of devotion. And you can celebrate yourself for being there. You can celebrate yourself for choosing to find resonance, choosing to be what it is that you set out to be, choosing to stay committed to your intentions. Um, Yeah. Definitely know that I've been there too, asking those questions like, what do I sacrifice? Um, what can I sacrifice mm. that will continue to make this worthwhile? And sometimes it is my time. Mm. Sometimes it is a little bit of energy to sow this seed for the future. Yeah. This is very relevant to me today because I just got a yes on an agreement with a client that I think is going to be very resonant. And there's two things that's really interesting to that. One is that if I had, tried to work with the same person a couple of years ago, I don't think it would have been resonant. Uh, I know this person very well, and I've noticed that they've matured a lot in their, their ability to lead uh, mm. their company. And two, I don't know if I would have been ready for this six months ago mm-hmm. um, because, or a year ago, I could, because there were times in the, along that where I was a little bit more desperate for work and for, mm. for income. There were times along that where I didn't have a very focused intention. Mm. And I've been through a lot of ups and downs since then of finding resonant clients and finding clients that weren't so resonant and continuing to try and find my own conviction. 
my own devotion and turn that into intentions and invitations for people along the way. And it was through that experimental process that I got to this yes, literally today and two hours ago mm. um, that I'm psyched about. It, it really opens up a lot of opportunity to do work that I'm uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing with this person in a way mm. that I couldn't have if I hadn't stuck to it and gone through that uh, sometimes pay, painful process of experimentation on the way here. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Patience and devotion, Michael. So like just, yes, being in our own evolutionary processes can lend themselves to greater outcomes down the line if it's not a yes today it might be a yes later because we just need to grow and i think that is the medicine of devotion to be honest um and yeah and i know this isn't like the sexy you know like put this line in your instagram bio and then post three times a day it's not as prescriptive as what you might see out there in the marketplace but I think we can both like attest to the fact that like this is the real truth behind it. These are the real rituals behind attracting those fuck yes clients, mm. those awesome working situations and kind of earning them too. And, and really like p putting that seed in the soil and watching it grow over time. Like it takes a collard green to grow uh, from seed, micro seed. I don't know if you've ever heard of the mustard seed, but mustard greens, collard greens start off as like tiny specks and over 50 to 60 days, almost an entire season. They That's when they become the big giant leaf that you can take inside and eat at the table. This, so it is in entrepreneurship. So it is in business. Sow your seeds, water your gardens be in your rituals with focused intention, conviction, make clear invitations, test and experiment and practice devotion. Thank you guys for joining us on the Brave School Podcast. We love you. for listening to the brave school podcast you can find us on the internet at braveschool.co uh, you can also find us on instagram at braveschool.co and find me your resident story doula at the story doula on instagram i'm so excited to serve you thank you for being here friend